Hey everybody, welcome to episode 85 of Waking Up to Narcissism. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and host of the Virtual Couch Podcast and uh, Murder on the Couch and co-host of a brand new podcast called The Mind, The Mirror, and Me, co-hosted with my daughter, Mackie Overbay, which I highly recommend that you go check out. And go sign up for my newsletter. We had another newsletter go out, I believe, just yesterday, and a lot of good information there. And that one actually is specific to waking up to narcissism and the concepts of intermittent reinforcement and the trauma bond. The links for everything will be in the show notes. So today's episode came from the Facebook group, and I'll read the original post in just a couple of minutes, but the overall vibe of today's episode is, have you ever found yourself in a situation in your relationship where you've just felt like it didn't really matter or wasn't worth the emotional calories or the time or the effort to express something that you want to do that may seem absolutely simple to somebody from the outside. So if you were going to say, you know, I think I want to start wearing my hair different, would your spouse say, oh, I don't think you should do that? Or really? Um, Do you think that looks good? Or you know what I've always said about people that wear their hair that way. And so it's just this this dull uh, buzz of control that can be existing in the relationship. And then over the course of time, then you just start to feel like I, I just need to stay just the way that I am because it's too much effort or too much work to really want to start to, to do something different and do something different can be eat something different, go to a different restaurant, hang out with friends, watch a show that you want to watch, but you just start to put look at things through this lens of, is it worth the battle? And then concepts or phrases come out like, well, pick my battles, or it is pretty selfish of me to want to just do something different. And if you have found yourself or you are in that point in your relationship, then today's episode, I think is really going to resonate. And let me start by telling a story. And then I want to read a very powerful poem that I think sets the stage. And then we'll jump right into the examples from the private women's Facebook group. So this past weekend, I was in Utah and I was there for a wedding. It was a a fun wedding from one of my best friend's daughters. And we saw people that we haven't seen in a very long time. And my wife and I went out there and met up with my daughter, Mackie. So that was amazing. But we were also there and had a chance to catch up with somebody that we cared deeply about who had just experienced a miscarriage. And we were going to spend some time with her and her family. And in preparation for that, my wife is a is a caring, thoughtful person and, and a doer. And she wanted to put together a very personalized, just basket full of goodies and gifts. And to be honest, TBH, I think as the kids used to say, I was feeling pretty under the weather. I was starting to go down fast, but I was so grateful that I was able to get there and experience the wedding and the reception. But I just wanted to lay in the hotel and pretty much do nothing. And my wife was going to go put together this gift basket and we enjoy spending time together. So we had a little bit of a nice off. Hey, I I would love to go. She says, you don't have to go, but I really want to go. And so she left and I just laid around and didn't do much of anything and watched things on my iPad and nodded off and on and, and really was grateful for that opportunity to rest. But I also wish that I could have gone with her and I had all the feelings, which is a whole other concept that beloved whole object relations. I could feel bad that I wasn't going and grateful that I wasn't going and I could feel a little bit under the weather and I could uh, still communicate with people that were texting me and all that's okay. doesn't have to be all or nothing or black or white or I was bad or she was, she was good and thought I was bad, but I digress. 
So in this scenario, she was gone for a very long time. And there wasn't a part of me that was thinking, okay, this is, I I think she should be home by now. Or what's she doing? Or I I can't trust her. Or I need to look and see what she's up to and where is she going? And we would trade a couple of texts here and there. And maybe if I thought of something that I could use or she had a question or one of the kids was texting both of us. And so I just said, hope you're, hope you're having fun. And she said, this is maddening, those types of things. And then she got back and she showed me the gift basket and it was amazing. And it was full of just very specialized treats and and goodies. And then we delivered it. But the point that I wanted to make is in the women's group, and this will come into play here in a little bit, but I was just sharing because people are often saying, hey, what does that look like in a healthy relationship? Here's what I read. We're in Utah right now for a wedding, but a close friend had a miscarriage. I'm a bit under the weather, so I stayed in a hotel yesterday and rested. And my wife went out and bought so many things for this amazing woman and put together a gift bag. And as I thought about it, I wasn't trying to pat myself on the back, but I love that she can go and do what she feels is best. And she just can. She's not worried about is there going to be commentary on how long it took or how much money was spent. Like I would need to say something about the items in the basket. And so I just shared that I feel for all of those that are, that don't know of that, what that emotional freedom feels like that we all deserve to have emotional safety and freedom. And that doesn't mean that, that, I can hear somebody now saying, oh, okay, so what if we're in financial difficulties and now you're just saying that this person gets to go just spin carte blanche and I don't have a say in it. And that's the point that I'm absolutely not trying to make. But the part that we're going to get to today, there are a lot of examples of people that have not done a lot of things in their lives because they had already been told that that was either selfish or their spouse didn't think that that was a good idea or doesn't want them to do that. Or the spouse says, I don't like that. And it can feel really dismissive and rude and mean for the person, the pathologically kind person to say, oh, I'm sorry that you don't like that. But that sounds like more of a a you issue or something that I would love to explore with why that's uncomfortable for you, something that I would like to do. So let's say that my wife had wanted to go out and put the gift basket together. And I just said, I don't think that's a good idea. So first of all, where's my curiosity? The best place to start would be if she's saying, I would like to go put together a gift basket which I think for a lot of people, that just makes sense. But let's just say it doesn't. And I had never seen a gift basket or I had only been given really crummy gift baskets growing up. So to me, a gift basket represented the, I don't uh, give a darn diploma kind of a vibe. Then the best place to start is saying, oh, hey, tell me about gift baskets. What uh, what do you want to put in that gift basket? Or take me on your train of thought. What do you like about gift baskets? Or did you get gift baskets when you were young? And truly, it, everything becomes this opportunity to connect and to grow as a couple or in a relationship or a friendship. And then equally so, if that connection is unavailable because of the other person, then it becomes an opportunity for you to self-confront and grow. So if I am the one saying, well, I think gift baskets are dumb. And my wife says, well, I would like to give this person a gift basket. Then it sounds like that's a me issue. So I can still say, oh, okay, well, hey, of course you go do what you feel is best because you are you and I am me and we are two completely different people. And it's more of a check that out. For some reason, I find gift baskets to not really be something that are very good, but I love the fact that you seem passionate about a gift basket. So tell me more. And, and what I love is I was explaining this to a client a few weeks ago, not the gift basket, but this concept in general. And there was quite a bit of emotional immaturity in the room. And so the the person who happened to be the guy in the scenario said, well, having that kind of a conversation just sounds exhausting. Fine. She can get the, you know, in this scenario it would be, she can get the gift basket. I don't care. And then she looked over at me and she grinned and she said, okay, so this is what's funny. So now I've been given permission 
to get the gift basket that I was already going to get. And we had this opportunity to be curious. And I would love to hear why you're not a fan of gift baskets. And I would love it if you would ask me questions about why I think that, uh, that gift baskets are nice. Again, in this scenario, a few weeks ago, it wasn't the gift basket, but I'm on a roll here. But I hope that, that those who are listening, whether you are waking up to your own emotional immaturity or the emotional immaturity in your relationship, can see the point that I'm making. That, that everything becomes an opportunity to connect or to self-confront and grow. I'm a bigger fan of the connection because, again, if my spouse wants to do something, the default should be, that sounds great. Or, wow, you seem like you're very excited about that thing. Tell me more. And I'm going to step outside of my ego because I'm curious about why you want to go do that thing and not in a passive aggressive, why would you want to go do that thing? But hey, tell me why that came to mind because my first thought wasn't that, it was something else. So now we have some this amazing opportunity to talk about here's an experience in our lives and now we both have two different opinions. And that's that's the essence when I talk about, okay, let's go with the we're codependent and meshed as we get into relationships because we're so afraid of abandonment and if the person sees the real us, then they'll, they'll run away screaming. But then as we now start to go through life, our opportunity, I was going to say job, but our opportunity is to now start to emotionally mature together in, in a perfect world. Now, it is still your job to become more emotionally mature yourself. And that's why I want to continue to go back to this concept of emotionally focused therapy, my four pillars of a connected conversation, there are tools there that will allow people to have the conversations that they aren't even aware that would be powerful and productive to have. The everything is now going to be run through the four pillared framework. So if my wife was saying, I'm going to go get a gift basket, that one's a pretty easy one. Well, first of all, my pre-pillar of observation and judgment. So my observation that she's going to get a gift basket, what is my judgment that I immediately go along with that? Oh, she's going to spend all the money. Now I'm saying, well, why do you want to get basket? And now I'm already putting her on the defensive for something that she doesn't even know that I've judged her on. Or if my observation in judgment, my pre-pillar is when I have observed people wanting or getting gift baskets, I have felt like they have not wanted them, but it could be because my entire life of experience of people receiving gift baskets were uh, meat sticks around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. And those end up being used as uh, baseball bats with marbles as a kid. That was a true story when I was growing up and not eaten when I wasn't even thinking about the fact that, oh, you can actually put your own gift basket together. You can go buy a basket. You can buy the little uh, grass stuff that goes in there. You can even buy the plastic or the clear wrap that goes around it. Like that's, that's fascinating. I thought you just had to buy them and they all came with the meat stick. So when you're looking at that, uh, my pre-pillar, my observation and judgment, so I can set that aside, separate my observation and my judgment. Now I'm leaning in. I've got some curiosity and let's move on to pillar one, assuming good intentions, or there's a reason why somebody is doing or saying the things they're doing. Pretty easy with this one, getting a gift basket. That's fair to assume that uh, there are good intentions behind that. But then pillar two, I can't tell her that's ridiculous or that's crazy. Why would you want to do that? Or put out the message that she's wrong or I don't believe her. Again, granted, even if I feel like that isn't something I would do, which leads to pillar three questions. Here comes that curiosity. Questions before comments. Take me on your train of thought. Help me understand why a gift basket came to mind for you. And then pillar four, I have to stay present and lean in that I cannot go into any kind of victim mentality and say, okay, I guess I'll see a bunch of more clients in my off hours next week so that I can make money to pay for the gift basket, which by the way, doesn't contain a meat stick, I just might add. So you can see, I think that everything could be an opportunity to have a deeper connection. And even if my experience is completely different around a gift basket or whatever that is, then I, she feels heard, I understand more, and now I get to be 
the one who says, yeah, I really don't have a dog in this fight. I didn't even think about it, but that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm doing something wrong or bad. And uh, I'm excited to see what she brings back. Is there anything I can do to help or support? Which, quite frankly, in this one, it might have been to lay on my hotel bed and watch Netflix documentaries because then she doesn't need the chiming in from the peanut gallery of me wanting to subconsciously get validation of, I think she would like this, even though I'm just saying things because I'm just being in the moment. So let's move on to the poem. It's beautiful. It's called Desperate Voice. I am stuck in a loveless marriage. He uses words to chip away at my whole existence. Everything I do as an attempt to fill the void seems to be at my own detriment. I become something that is not always true to who I know myself to be, or who I used to know myself to be, rather. It's in the longing that I grow weak. It's in the pain that I grow strong. What a paradox. If only he knew what it feels like to be at the other end of his sharp tone and facetious remarks. If only his intelligence was mapped differently. Maybe then my words would reach him. Maybe then he would live with awareness. Instead, he harms me invisibly, legally, carelessly, and then he forgets, as if it never happened. Oh, but wait, thoughtful? Of course, when he wants to be, that is. He paints a picture to the outside world, a picture where he is selfless and accepting. Yet the real picture, the one no one will ever truly see, shows the subtle moments which have led to the breaking of my mind and the strange cycle which goes on and on and on with no end in sight. I fight this fight with my silent pleas to God, and sometimes with my voice which grows loud and desperate. I yearn for intimacy, settling for whatever he decides. Emotions of all kinds bubble up and pass again and again. There are good moments, yes, but I think that's what they call a trauma bond. I just so appreciate that poem and thank you to the listener who sent that in. And I welcome any stories, any emails, any poems. And I just want you to know I, I do read them and I do appreciate what you're going through and I see you. And if you need to find a group or if you need resources, my uh, wonderful assistant Naomi has a lot of resources that she can share as well. So we want to do whatever we can to help. But I'm grateful for the people that do feel seen and heard from hearing others' stories, which is a big reason why we're going to go in the direction we're going to go today. There was a post that was, it it was one of those where I think, again, the people that are listening to this podcast, I I think will understand and resonate where there will be others that will be in, they come air quoting healthier or healthy relationships that will think, well, you just need to do whatever you want to do and think that this is, uh, this whole episode may sound a little bit crazy or silly. But again, those that are listening, I, I think are going to really resonate with this concept. Here's here's what someone in the group shared. They said, I want to make a list of all the things that I haven't been allowed to do or that my covert narcissistic husband, or we'll call them even the emotionally immature, extremely emotionally immature partner has said or hinted that I shouldn't do. I have to insert in there that nobody truly does want to be should on or should be should on, especially in these kind of situations. So she said that she wants to experiment with being, and again, it's in quotes, rebellious and breaking all of his rules one by one. And there are laughy face emojis because this is a person that does enjoy humor. But she said, maybe I need to go a little bit deeper and see if I can pair the rule with how it's impacted me psychologically. Like what is the belief and what I thought patterns that would have been instilled in me by living with this person in these ways for as long as that they've been living together. And then watch as the world does not blow up. And she said, has anybody else done this? And does anybody have pointers or experiences to share? 
this is truly those things that people have wanted to do, whether it's they wanted to do their hair different or wear something different or go somewhere or eat something, but have felt like they, they can't or they shouldn't, or it's not worth the fight because they're going to get a lot of negative feedback or they're going to, whatever that looks like, instead of curiosity and support. So that's why I started with that story today that instead of the, why on earth would you go get a gift basket for somebody or I don't like gift baskets or, well, let me see what you're going to put in there or how much you're planning on spending because that just right there, that feels and sounds emotionally exhausting. It is such a burn of emotional calories where in a healthy relationship, it's not, there isn't uh, emotional calories spent there other than how can I show up and support this person that I care about deeply and I'm going to take this as an opportunity to learn more about this partner, this person that, again, I, I, ch- I chose, we're married and we're together. And uh, it's normal to start to grow old together and just explore each other's experiences and want to understand more. So I'm going to read the comments from the group. And there are just a lot of ones that will sound simple, but they are so good. Someone just said that they're empowered and they're cheering everybody on as they, they go through this process. But she just said, one of these days, I just want a super cute short haircut because her partner has discouraged that very strongly. And then someone else just said that their therapist, and I love this idea, recommended a bucket list for what they would do without control or limitations. And they range from large things like traveling without the husband to small ones like going out and seeing karaoke or buying, going out and buying a coffee without fear or having breakfast for dinner and doing so without ridicule. And so if you have that, you know, that emotional freedom on some things, but not others, then I still would take a look at, is there control there? So if somebody says, well, we can eat breakfast for dinner. Okay. But yeah, if I ever want to go out dancing or go sing karaoke, I'm told that's really silly or dumb or, oh, you want to do that with your voice or, and, and those are the parts that are just, that don't need to be in a relationship. And if they are in a relationship, then I would love to be able to provide you with tools to be able to explore and say, well, hey, tell me why you're against karaoke for me. Well, I don't want you to embarrass yourself. All right. Well, it might be a good idea to start with asking me, the person who wants to go seeing karaoke. I love that therapist suggesting this bucket list of what you would do without the control or limitations. And, and I, I appreciate someone had said that they really do. They feel that concept in the group. And, and now we've got a couple of different lists going. Someone said, I didn't do it intentionally, but once I lived on my own and I started opening my eyes to all of the control issues that were in the relationship. She said, I had never known our computer Wi-Fi passwords. And now she said, I do. I have my own accounts and my own passwords and I don't have to ask him to enter the passwords in. And she said she was able to sleep with her bedroom windows open. And then he wouldn't allow that because of his paranoia. And I thought this was a really interesting comment that people ran with a bit was she said he would always mask control as being safety conscious. And it wasn't until after she was out that she started seeing that it was more about his control. And I am all for somebody taking ownership of their behavior. So if somebody says, okay, I want the windows closed and check this out. I know it might sound a little bit crazy, but I just, I I find myself worrying that someone's going to break in. Because then that is a safer place if your spouse can say, well, tell me more about that. Where does that come from? Where do you think that originated versus the, I just want to keep you safe. And again, this is why I so appreciate curiosity. If we start with the, hey, do you ever not feel safe if the windows are open? Because check this out. I I do. I find myself not feeling safe. Those are the healthier types of conversations that we want to have. Someone else chimed in and said, oh, this is for your safety because of them, not you, et cetera, is so relatable. And also she said how I was hooked early on because I had not felt 
looked out for and cared for in prior relationships and throughout childhood. So at some point, that control felt like love and care. That was so perfectly stated. She said, until I started healing from all the childhood trauma and I started to believe in myself again, where then I could imagine that at that point she realized, oh, I'm the, these, I was never really asked or invited to be a part of these conversations. I was just told this is what I am doing for you. But that really does come from our childhood if we weren't given an opportunity to have our own feelings and thoughts and, and expressions. So the next comment, we get to take a little bit of a, a side tangent over into the, well, what's the best way to do this? Because someone said, this is an interesting idea. I've wondered if thing, I've wondered if things like this, similar to my idea of making a list of all of the harmful behaviors that he chronically does, would be more helpful for me when I'm questioning myself as a result of gaslighting or hurtful by stewing and getting stuck. And so a lot of people will go from, I'm not documenting anything to now I'm just starting to document all of the negative experiences. And that's part of, I think, this process of awakening, of becoming. That you go from that, I didn't even know what was going on, to now hear all the ways that I am being mistreated or he is not being consistent. And that is absolutely okay. As a matter of fact, one of the episodes that I had been working on talks about an article that is is talking about things like medical gaslighting and some other concepts. And I'll get to that that episode down the road. But I was looking at it specifically for the author had some really good thoughts around record keeping. And I think that record keeping is a very powerful thing that you can do. And it doesn't mean that it has to be from a place of I'm record keeping so that then I can show him or show her all the horrible things that they're doing. But sometimes, or I believe it starts from a place of sanity, that this is what is happening. I am not crazy because I'm continually being gaslit. So I, I'm going to write this down so I can go back and look at that. And I remember one of the first women I ever helped out of a, I now know a very toxic narcissistic relationship. And this was a very long time ago. I remember investing in a funky piece of software to get some text messages off of her phone because of all of the horrible things that he would say to her. And then he would go back in and then delete all of those off of her phone while she slept. And so we ended up keeping an archive of some of the messages. And so then when he would love bomb and she would say, I, but he says he never even said those things. And then we would refer to the file and it even felt odd at that point. I was a pretty new therapist of, well, shouldn't we just be letting him go or let, letting this stuff go and forgiving him? But that was incredibly empowering. And that woman has, this was almost 15 years ago, is now remarried and is in a really healthy relationship. I love the answer to this person saying, is this keeping me stuck? by writing down the negative things or should I start moving toward these things that I would, I want to be able to do if I had emotional freedom. One of the members of the group said, I have found it to be an important part of the process. Vomit all that stuff up until it's gone. Journal. Your memories will fade. I can almost guarantee it. And that is so true from a, just a psychological perspective or concept is when we keep all these thoughts jumbling around in our head, they're just this big mass of just thought and negativity and they just cause us to feel more anxious and raise that heart rate and keep us right on the verge of amygdala hijack. So all of a sudden something happens and we're immediately just our, our startle response is just right there on the edge. But as we start to journal in particular, what you're doing is you're getting things out linearly and it doesn't have to be a perfect narrative of it was a dark and rainy night. But as you lay those things out narratively, whether it's linearly, sequentially, you see them, it's as if this exercise does get them out of your mind onto the paper. And then if you need to throw it away, burn it, delete it, whatever you need to do, but it's getting those out of your head because this, uh, this person is so right. Your memories will fade. I can almost guarantee it. Another said that I think I will start that list for years. I wouldn't shop at a particular store. 
because he said I was too old for it when I was in my 30s. She said, so for my 50th, I bought a particular pair of these pants from there. And she said, it felt so empowering, but also sad at the same time. And she said, it baby steps. What I so appreciate about that is it felt so empowering and sad at the same time. Welcome to emotional maturity, where you can have a lot of different thoughts and feelings. I can notice that I'm happy and I'm kind of sad and I'm kind of bummed and I wish this would have happened sooner and I can have all those feelings and still be a part of that experience because that's what true, truly life is about. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, black or white, because if somebody is still being emotionally manipulated or controlled or they've been, or they've grown up to only think that, well, did, was that good or bad? Did it work or didn't it? Then we're missing a whole huge chunk of life where things are both good and bad. I enjoyed it and I found it frustrating. Some of the best movies that one can watch are ones that elicit a, a tremendous amount of, of emotion. I will have laughed. I will have cried. I will have been scared. I've been on the edge of my seat because that's part of the human experience is bringing out all those emotions. Somebody else then chimed in and said, yes, flavored coffee, traveling, when and where I want to go, eating out, shopping at Target if I want to. I'm sure there's a story there. Buying my own car, the one I wanted. That one's a big one. Um, getting my new tire siped. She said, Google it, ha. Huh? I love it because I've had my tire siped and uh, I don't really know why, but I did it. Having a cat in the house, letting the cat sleep on the bed, and then in all caps, oh my gosh, it just gets better and better. Have fun figuring out what you like and what you don't like. Somebody else said that they were happy to share their bucket list. She said, someday I will, without fear of retaliation, without fear, without retaliation, do karaoke, travel with friends, travel alone, travel with just my kids, get a foot tattoo, hire a babysitter, enjoy time with friends with no guilt, buy what I want within my budget, take spare cash out of our debit account without permission or explaining what every penny is used for, sit outside at night, go for walks at night, drive around for no reason in the forest to relax, eat breakfast for dinner with the girls, enjoy sex, not out of obligation, so he isn't mean to everybody else, buy my own sex tools and use when I choose because I have no say over this right now, buy clothes that I like on my body, wear what I want without snide remarks, Step away from the phone when I want, aside from emergencies, without getting back, getting seven back-to-back calls and days of arguing after. Take a writing class. Go to a paint and sip. Take an adult ballet class. Volunteer. Get a massage. Snuggle my kids anytime they want to be snuggled, day or night, without being belittled or yelled at. Go dancing with friends. Buy small things to make our home cozy. Bathroom baskets, because it organizes and makes me happy, without being yelled at or criticized for wasting money eat healthier meals, be just friends with a man, sleep with windows open, buy occasional iced coffee, etc. without fear or of turmoil over the money spent, get a short haircut I like, uh, get my doctorate, because I am repeatedly told that I need to put it off until that he is done with his, even though that has been going on for years and years. That list, we could go down and break down so many of those. And, and if that resonates with any of you, and you have a moment, I would love for you to write in. I would love to do a follow-up. I would love to share that in the group because I think there's a story behind each one of those. And, and I think it would be a pretty amazing experience to hear what those stories are. And I, I felt like that list alone truly will resonate with so many people. Somebody had said a comment, and I want you to know, this is where I, I want to then pull the healthy ego card and say that I was not sharing things of my own experience to say, look at me, everybody, but you want to show or hopefully model what a healthy relationship can be. Because someone did say, thanks for being an example and sharing uh, your example of what healthy looks like and showing that it isn't a fairy tale dream to be 
that it, you can be treated with love and kindness, that loving, caring men do exist. And then she put the LOL. And, uh, and I said, I, I really wish I had been consistent about this throughout the marriage, but I think, and I hope that that's what the process is intended to look like, that we both don't know what we don't know. And then we learn together, but man, everybody truly does deserve to be seen and heard and loved and have a, a healthy, um, connected marriage. And this is where I like this concept that one of the people shared. She said, I would like to have that kind of mental and emotional freedom. For me to think that's amazing is sad when I allow myself to reflect on it. And, and I hear you uh, to the person that wrote that. And this is at this point, again, um, this is the waking up process. And at some point there's acceptance and acceptance means to take in without defense in its entirety. So it has happened. And so check that out. And so now moving forward, because when we ruminate on, I wish I would have known, I, I wish I could have done something different. What would it have looked like if I would have? Those are all thoughts. They are. And the same with, I wish I wouldn't have eaten as much trail mix this morning. They're not exactly the same, but we have a lot of thoughts, but let's not attach as much meaning to some than we, than we give them uh, space to occupy our brain. And then someone else did share, she said, uh, that's what I was thinking too. She said, it's so foreign to me. And she was saying this to me. She said, Tony, it's so foreign to me that your wife can do that. Talking about going out and buying the, the gift basket. She said, I know that's normal and what I've experienced is abnormal, but it's still difficult for me to wrap my mind around this happening for couples because every time I want to bring someone dinner or pick up flowers when the people in my life need an extra boost, that she said, it feels like it's always such a big thumb wrestle, which I love that analogy. And it's grinding after so many years of feeling controlled in a million little ways. Somebody else then chimed in and said, okay, um, buying angel hair pasta skim milk, fruits and vegetables, going thrift shopping. She, she said that there have been some things that she's been able to do now of just taking her kids on vacation. She said going to work early while kids slept so I could get off work early when they were awake. She said last minute trips would be amazing. Going to musicals. And then I love this one. She said, I just helped my son or I, she said, I just watched my son buy his own car. I didn't interject. He did the research and it was his money. And I just said, man, I love the examples of the son buying his own car because it's his money. And it, what a thrill that is for somebody to be able to do their own research and to buy their the thing on their own and not have to worry about, well, that's not what I thought you should get. And instead saying, man, that sounds like a great choice. And tell me why you chose that. And I can't wait to ride in it because the other part is a me issue. If I'm saying, well, I would have got something different. Yeah, well, it wasn't me buying the car. There are uh, a couple of more. Someone else said, this is more on the serious side, but she said, and I thought this was really good. She said, having different political or moral, ethical and religious opinions. She said, I just stopped critically thinking about it for a while because he was so far down a rabbit hole and so far up everybody's backsides about his opinions that she said, I just started to go along with it. And she said, even after the separation, I had to have a full on week of processing about whether I should get vac vaccinated or not because he was so against it. She said, I felt like I would have to hide it from my kids so he wouldn't know if I did or not. She said, I won't share my decision because it's not something I want to debate, but now I'm able to reevaluate all my opinions on those things. She said, they really haven't gone to an extreme opposite from him, but they are now mine and not his. And she said, also along these lines, feminine power. She said, I'm not talking about feminism necessarily, but just what a quote, good woman means. Because she said toward the end, there were a lot of comments about outspoken, opinionated women, which is actually hilarious because I was that before him. And I noticed that I still am that now, but I did quiet for a time. And she said, it took a while for me to find a healthy middle ground on what having a voice looked like for me 
inside of marriage, I became quiet. But after the divorce, I went to the other extreme. And now I feel like I found a happy medium, my true voice. And she said, also, I rarely wear makeup anymore. I'm too tired or I just don't care. And he would always say, well, you should never go without mascara. Well, she said, he can suck it now. I put it on when I feel like it. And I don't when I don't. I so, so appreciate that, that response. And that is the, the deeper side of this is when people stop even trying to have their own opinions on some, whether they're controversial or whether they're just topics, topics that are being debated in the uh, public arena, that it's, that what a, what an opportunity to have two people that have two different backgrounds that are, I mean, in this case, two different genders for Pete's sake and, and find out what do you think about that? That's, that's an opportunity to grow. But if somebody's saying, well, you don't really believe that, do you? Because let me tell you what I believe, then we're just wanting control. We aren't looking for love. We're just looking for control. So I just appreciate her sharing that so much. Another person did chime in and say, oh my goodness, we started with the same beliefs. But as time went, he stopped pretending to be the one thing and his BS started coming out. And I was the one with, quote, brain damage. And I thought that was so just powerful because that's the normal part of the human experience as well, is that a lot of times we do start with similar beliefs. And when I talk about being enmeshed and codependent, I love how she said, but then he stopped pretending to be the thing and the BS started coming out. So if he's been saying, oh, I agree on all these same things, we have so much in common, that is that concept of love bombing. So when someone's being love bombed, that's where I would love to see people introduce a little positive tension. So if, uh, if all of a sudden he's saying, you know, I love the Jonas Brothers, y- you and I, we are Jonas Brothers uh, for life. And then it, it really doesn't take much more than tell me your uh, top three songs of the Jonas Brothers. What's your favorite line of the Jonas Brothers? And for the record, I don't know why I pulled that one out of my hat because I don't know. I don't know any Jonas Brothers lyrics or songs. I'm sure they're fine. I think one of them has to do with Watermelon or that might be the, the solo artist. Another person shared, she said, I cut my hair, LOL. She said, I'm tempted to make it really short. I'd love to make a list. I get dressed in the morning. I say no to hugs. I'll pinch him in the face if he asks for sex. I serve the kids easy meals all the time. I hug and kiss my kids and the dog and the kitten a lot. Uh, Somebody else just said, I'm saving money. And then another person gave a list of 18 things. And I love, I love them. Vote by mail if I want. Talk to neighbors or church members without fear that I'm embarrassing or awkward. Send emails, messages, posts to the same assuming these people without the same fear as above. Think of myself during intimacy if that happens again and not just be happy for his sake or because he was satisfied. Number five, disagree. Number six, feel sad, mad, disappointed, anxious, and any other unpleasant feeling openly and without fear of repercussion. Seven, talk to my kids without being interrupted or or, uh, contraparented. Use the shower or bathroom without interruption from another adult. Read or listen to a book without interruption from another adult listening to interesting brain tingling ideas just for fun dream for the sake of dreaming not with an end in mind parent peacefully and proactively set out my coping skills deck or affirmations deck even though they say badass in small letters on two sides sleep with the door open or closed or whatever i want mow the lawn however i want shovel snow however i want organize things and throw away things that we don't use use no as a complete sentence i love it People chimed in and said the things that pile up are so mind-boggling. And somebody had said, I'm so sorry, you've had to deal with so much emotional limitations. And the person said, thank you, and the same to you. And this is just a list that she said I came up with within a couple of minutes. Imagine if I thought about it for a couple of days. Mind-boggling indeed is how this mental illness of our partners does take away our choices. 
somebody also said that she said, I think my relationship was so bizarre that my limitations weren't so much coming from a place of obvious control. She said he prides himself on being a feminist, but came about more as a result of his behavior toward me that heavily impacted my self-esteem and gave me tremendous anxiety that in turn kept me too afraid to leave my ever shrinking comfort zone. And, and I just chimed in that I think a lot of people will just resonate with that comment alone. Someone else just said they love the lists and the original uh, poster said that the thread just brings up tears and tears, but she feels so validated that she's not alone with all the crazy making and control. So many things on other people's lists. She said are now on hers because she's lived it too. And then she said, and it hurts her heart hearing how painful this has been for so many people An underlying current of control is a form of abuse. And so many may not have black eyes or broken bones or bruises. And we may have never been yelled at by our husbands or husbands by their wives or even called names, but we've just been so very mistreated. And she went on to say, I feel the peace that goes with all of this of how tenderhearted and empathetic most of us are as the targets of this. And again, we like to call them the pathologically kind. She said, we didn't deserve to be treated these ways. We've given and tried so hard and negotiated in these relationships. We've been taken advantage of and have been whittled down to less than human. And our willingness to give things up for the sake of the relationship still didn't resolve the conflict. That the emotionally immature narcissists in the lives are still miserable. I think that part is so, so true. Saying that again, our willingness to give things up for the sake of the relationship still didn't resolve the conflict because the narcissists are emotionally immature and our lives are still miserable. What that speaks to again is when the person who is emotionally immature or narcissistic they want you to make them feel better about something that they are completely unaware of. So you'll never fill that void or find that resolution because that's a them thing. And that's the big reason why this relationship dynamic is so prevalent. So she went on to say, so why not say no? Why not do the forbidden thing? Why not set the boundaries we need to stay in alignment with what makes us, us and me, me? She said, yes, at least for me, it hasn't been that straightforward though, because there is no such thing as a low charge topic with the narcissist or someone emotionally immature, that it becomes such a battle to take back our power and our sense of self, but we still have to do it. And yet it's so hard no matter when and how we do it. And I would highly recommend that after this episode, go find my virtual couch episode from last week, which is talking about every single conversation or thing that you do does have an opportunity for to help you grow. It's an opportunity for you to self-confront and grow. And I share some tools there about holding the assertive frame. I've talked about masculine, feminine energy and assertive and nurturing, working to, to use those words interchangeably. And so holding that assertive frame, there's a formula there that I talk about where when, if you're trying to change the dynamic in the relationship by showing up different, then yeah, you're not taking that bait and you are not going into a victim mentality. You know that that person is is feeling unsafe in the relationship, but that is because of their own insecurities. So then you are putting your connection ahead of the fear or ego. And that connection just means connection in this concept with the present moment that I am staying present, that I'm staying grounded, that I'm noticing that I am okay, that I am alive, that I am able to keep my amygdala on, on standby and I'm breathing and I'm doing and I'm being and I'm watching them push all the buttons, the new ones. I'm having a popcorn moment. I'm watching the show and then I'm, I'm exiting if I need to. And that becomes empowering. And then I'm learning in that moment that this is not somebody that I can have a connected conversation with, that it feels safe. And so I have learned something. 
And on that episode, I talked about, I love this concept or this quote from the world of emotionally focused therapy that we're designed to deal with emotion in concert with another human. And I've always looked at that as this is why we need the four pillars. This is why we need to do all of our own individual work as individuals and then come together as a couple and explore our attachment wounds. And here's my four pillars of a connected conversation and all of those things I still believe in. But if someone is unwilling to do that or unable to do that in, in your relationship, then let's go back to that quote. We're designed to deal with emotion in concert with another human. Well, that concert just sounds a little different. Maybe it has a, a jug. I mean, I'm originally from Tennessee, a jug and a spoon and maybe a kazoo and a washboard. So maybe that is that concert. But in that version, you're still dealing with this, this emotion that you are having with that other human being. And what you're learning is that some people are not safe to share and open up to. And quite frankly, not worth your emotional calories or energy. And so that becomes something that you have learned. Have all these things been for your good? I know that's uh, definitely a hindsight principle, but these things have happened. And now what can you do from a place of acceptance that yes, these happen. And now I have this information about myself and about what a healthier relationship could look like. A couple more and then I think we're done here. Somebody said, I want to listen to my favorite music, buy more than two kinds of produce at a time, have an actual savings account, get together with friends without having to explain why I deserve to with, uh, and then, okay, get together with friends without having to explain why I deserve to, and then not have to constantly text while I'm out, play the piano, play the flute, go to church socials uh, because he doesn't like people, take the kids on a true vacation. And, and I did say, these are amazing. And I said, but that get together with the friends one. I said, that's the stuff that really does kill me. And I see it in my office so often as if everything truly is transactional. So I, I just said the default needs to be, if let's say that you as the pathologically kind husband or wife says, Hey, I'm planning on going out with friends on Thursday. Then the healthy partner will say, sounds great. Or if he or she had something planned, they'll say, sounds great. And then they'll self-confront, remind themselves that they need to let you know about things sooner because you too have a life. Short of a surprise party, the default in marriage needs to be, that sounds great. And if there is a schedule conflict and it feels safe, you've established a pattern of safety, then there could be a version of that that says, oh man, that is awesome. It's amazing. You know, I had planned something, but that's I my bad. I didn't even let you know about it. So that is a me issue. But you know that in that scenario, your partner's not trying to manipulate you. Somebody else said, I can show you. And uh, they got the, their first pedicure. And the pedicure said, what color do you want your nails? And they said, just a plain neutral French manicure color. And then the friend said, no, no, go bold. So they did. They got their favorite color, knowing that their partner would probably not be a big fan of it. Little steps. And, and then in conclusion, and I, I so appreciate this person in the group. And they said, one weird little thing she said that I did. I bought something pink, pale pink. He didn't like that. So I got myself something to wear in pink then something for my new house. She said, I'll say it's weird because I never really liked pink myself being somewhat of a tomboy, but I was also frustrated that he would comment and dislike if I wanted to go pink. So then one thing took, took, so then one thing led to another and she said, pink mobile cases, maybe a pink bed linen, more pink clothes. She said, it was almost like it became my favorite color, almost like a statement and it all ended up in me decorating my whole bedroom in pale pink. And it felt foreign in the beginning. And now it just feels like a part of me. And it's a part of me that makes me feel free. The first time I got something pink, she said, my sister said, oh yeah, I remember you told me that he didn't like pink on you. I always thought, why would he care? And then she kept cheering on my pinkification of life. 
and would also get me pink stuff. So I just said, I, I just, I love that pinkification. Maybe there's our title pinkification for the win. Thank you to all of those who shared their stories. I'm sure many more will come in. If I hope that you've gained something today from the episode and that if you find yourself in one of those types of relationships where you do feel controlled then or you feel like you can't do the things that you want to do, it is absolutely okay for you to have uh, wants, desires, thoughts, needs to be able to wear pink or your hair a certain way or to get the gift basket and and to the emotionally immature person waking up to their emotional immaturity because I've been there, my brother or sister then it the discomfort that it brings up is a me issue. Why do I have to think I have to chime in on everything? Or if I immediately want to express that, okay, but what about the finances? Hey, what an opportunity for me to self-confront. Are there things that I spend money on and I don't want anybody knowing about? Okay, most likely. So check that out. And so now I, that's the work that I can start to do as I support my spouse and their uh, waking up to their who they are and who they are are here on earth to be and finding out that they do like certain things and don't like other things. And that doesn't mean that it is a threat to you if you are the more emotionally immature partner. That just means, man, what a what an opportunity to get to know this person and watch them thrive and grow just like I can do the same. So I would love to hear your stories, your examples, and we will see you next time on Waking Up to Narcissism.